What's going on, everybody? It is Friday, August 7th. You have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am your host, Matt Swaski, a.k.a. Zoe, a.k.a. Father Zoe. And with me, as always, Mr. Aldo Soro. So, I think the Cubs are currently... Oh, wait, no, shit, the Yankees. All right. Cubs, once again, second straight show, entering play. Best team in the National League. Best team in the National League. Love it. And... Decked out and head to toe in his Vegas Knights gear, Mr. K Fitz. Don't hold it against me. It's okay. But I really, really am more excited about um, the Cubs making a real big signing today that made Aldo very, 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 very happy. So I'm I'm excited to talk about that today. Oh, God. I wish I wasn't right about that. Um, (laughs) So we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Apparently, TA didn't lose his job. We're going to talk about that. Like you said, Cubs are the best team in the National League. White Sox got on a little roll, uh, hit a little speed bump, but I'm not, I'm not sweating that at all. There are some player movements, some injuries we need to address since the last time we were on here. Yeah, so with all that being said, I hate Nick Swisher with all my heart. <laughs> That's Ozzy. Uh, let's tap this keg. Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound on the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantees so or the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new move. Discussions and interviews. Trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for. Yeah. Can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. As always, the show is brought to you by SportsMarkery, SportsMarkery.com. Make sure you're going to the App Store, download the app, turn on push notifications, be the first one to know when Kelvin Herrera is pitching next for the Cubs. SportsMarkery, SportsMarkery.com, turn on those pitch push notifications. All right. Although I didn't find my Calvin Herrera joke funny. <laughs> she he didn't even like there wasn't even like an I was a little bit of an eye twitch, no. a little facial tick. I think but... I think I'm just gonna black out every time someone <laughs> even starts to say his name. I'm like, Cal- blackout. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, if anyone stands or starts with a K, I'm just gonna start to black out before oh. you finish, finish their pronunciation. Yeah, I've been fiddler. <laughs> oh, you blacked out. Blacked out. I completely blacked out. <laughs> blacked no out. idea what you said. No idea what you said. Um, well, let's start with the big news. I did a little video about it when it happened. Well, not when it happened. When it happened, I was busy spazzing out on Twitter. No, <laughs> the next day, I'll hand up. I'll I'll I, well, I was pissed, dude. People were laughing about it. Like, I get if you're not a fan of the kid, like, okay, cool. I get if you're one of those people that are like, oh, he's got too much type. Get that too. Completely understand it. But when the dude gets hurt and it's obvious he's hurt because it was very obvious, he popped right up grabbing his arm. Don't go on Twitter and be like, ha, 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 this is what you get, or ha, look at this little guy. And Don't do that. 
that fucking pisses me off. Even if it's the other team, even if like when Byron Buxton got hurt, like I saw some people being like, "Good fuck him." No, 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 don't do that. Even if it's your biggest rival, did Kevin just sneeze himself off the? Oh wow! I thought like you sneezed so hard that you lost your connectivity. It's trying to mute that. That'd have been instead of mucus. It. It's different. But basically, what I'm saying. Don't laugh at injuries. Injuries suck, no matter who they're to. I mean, like if like Hitler got hurt, I'd probably cheer. When he, or when he hurt himself, I everybody cheered. But like other than that, don't cheer for injuries, especially in pro sports. It's a bad look. You look like an asshole. There's no real way to defend it. Don't do that. That's why I got fired up, and I was also drunk when it happened. But that's another story. Good combo. Yeah, Tuesday nights are golf leagues night, baby. White claws are flowing. Um, so he got hurt. Let's talk about this. So he was on first after another phenomenal single to the opposite field. <laughs> and next up is Luis Robert. It's been a great 9-1 combo. Like, they complement each other well. He, one of the two gets, you know, whatever. And Luis Robert hits a ball up the middle. Now, right off the bat, I think Nick Madrigal misjudged how hard Luis Robert hits baseballs. Because if it's a normal human being, a mortal, if you will, that ball doesn't get to obvious fast, and Nick's probably safe at third. But Luis Robert, he is a aircraft carrier of piss missiles, shot one off to center field. Avi Garcia, not known for – any kind of fielding. I was confused about that because Steve Stone immediately after the play was like, no, he's just trying to, make and it was weird. Cause I remember the only other obviously Garcia throw I remember was from like 2017 or something mm-hmm. where he, it was like the end of the game against the Tigers in Detroit. And there's a sack fly to win the game. And he threw the ball like straight into the ground, like from shallow left center. And I'm like, and Steve Stone is like, the White Sox apparently didn't uh, read the scouting report on Garcia's arm. I'm like, what? Settle down, Steve. Don't block me, but (laughs) settle down, Steve. Oh, that apparently happens very easily. Well, I mean, he is a major league baseball player, and a throw from short center on a ball that's perfectly bouncing and coming in hot is not hard throw. And it was coming in hot. And what's up, Allah, Mr. Hand? Thank you again for the tweet. We appreciate that. But – he was coming in hot on it. The ball was hit hard. And then all credit to Avi, it was a perfect throw. Perfect throw. So Nick tries to go to third. Avi obviously guns him at third. Nick with – I. so, do, Kevin, you're a high school baseball coach. Do you guys not teach kids how to slide anymore? Oh, dear God. That's the first practice we do. Actually, I kid you not. It's the first practice. When we start our first practice, we do sliding practice – on the first day, um, especially over the last four or five years, it is it is because it's a safety hazard. Right. You want to make sure that you go over to something that where a kid could get hurt most. Well, the kid's most likely to get hurt in two places, running the bases, uh, specifically sliding, um, or in the box because they're not protecting themselves. Um, and yeah, no, it's the, we do the crab walk. You do you walk it out. You crab walk, and then you throw your hands up, and you land mm-hmm. on your butt, and you work on getting your, your leg, your right leg, um, or whichever is more comfortable, right or left leg. Generally, it's usually right for us, just or at least for me, a right-hander. But you jump and you land, and you you land on both butt cheeks. That slide was absolutely fundamentally flawed from the start. He's sliding on his left hip, 
And again, the point of sliding on both left cheeks is to get your hands up. Why do you put your hands up? A, you can, you know, it it makes the target a little bit bigger and it has, the ball's got to get over you. Sure. But the best part, the most important part of that is you're getting your hands up because you don't want to get your thumb stuck in the ground. You don't want to get your hand. And exactly why you teach that is exactly what happened to him. He had to put his hand down to stabilize. And by doing that, he jarred his shoulder and you know, he's, he's lucky it could have been a lot where I thought he lost the thumb. I thought his thumb was broken or his fingers. Does it look like his fingers were bent back? So my initial reaction was he broke his wrist because he broke that wrist in college. He missed a lot of the College World Series because of broken wrist. That wrist, that's why he has a wrist guard on that wrist already. Um, no, the reason I asked about the sliding was because we saw Madrigal and then they put literally put oven mitts on La Pantera now because the dude doesn't know how to slide yet. Um, you know, and that's the thing is some of those talented guys. I mean, I'll say this, you know, Chris worked on it ad nauseum even as a ball player and his sliding, you know, has, has been a little bit, you know, he got hurt last year. Was it last year he got hurt sliding? Two yeah, years ago? Yeah, it's pretty and, and he had a really bad slide last year, too. And it's like, I don't know if it's just something that they're not working at at the major league level. I, that's one of my favorite practices because you get the slip and slide out sometimes. And you get out there and you you know, you know work on that. Because, if you again, slip and slides. If you don't get those hands up, where does your thumb get? Get stuck in the grass. Guess what goes with you? Your body. Your thumb stays. You know, it's right. it's something you got to work on. And these guys, you know, at the pro level, those little things, this might not be something that, that should be focused on. It should be focused on, but not focused on enough. And I think that Magical just came in and he does so many things so well. That was actually a shock to me that I don't know if he was trying to slide around something, but that was, I mean, that was a bad slide. It was a bad slide and he paid for it, obviously. So he popped up, grabbed his arm. Apparently now that we know what the injury was, he wasn't grabbing his wrist. He grabbed his arm. And then I watched it a bunch of times and well, first things first, he shouldn't have been going for third. I will say that. 100%. He should not have been going to third. Yes, he misjudged how hard he hit that ball. And Nick even said today, well, here, we have the exact the comment from Nick here about it today. Madrigal said it was kind of a weird play, trying to take the extra base, probably a dumb play, but I've done it successfully a hundred times in my life, and I just wanted to be aggressive. I knew it would be a close play. I landed weird on my arm. So, I mean, like he knows – it was a risky play. He got caught, hand caught in the cookie jar. Okay. They went on to win that game, by the way, so whatever. But um, so the next day, late in the day too, jerks, <laughs> we finally found out uh, Nick separated his shoulder. So it's a shoulder separation. I didn't see anything about torn. I didn't see anything about it. I just saw a shoulder separation. And then actually today, Nick said he he plans on being on the field in two weeks. He said that on Thursday. And that kind of goes in line with what Han said. He said hopefully by the end of the month. Either way, though, anyone that's separated their shoulder before knows it could be a real pain in the ass because it's going to pop back out. You're going to have to pop it back in. It's annoying. So he's probably going to have to get some kind of procedure done in the offseason, which a guy – after his first year in the league, you hate seeing him going under the knife for anything. Sucks. But as I said in my video too, it sucks either way. There's no way around it. It sucks. But if it was going to happen to a guy, I'd want it to happen to a guy that doesn't hit for power, that is a contact guy to begin with. It sucks for anyone, Kev. I know it's – I see you wincing. It sucks for anyone, but – for a power guy, that really takes away a big part of your game. 
Yeah, but for a speed guy, it takes a great deal of your game away too. Now you're going to look at a guy at second base that can't leave his feet as many times on balls up the middle because if he goes and he lands wrong diving for a ball up the middle, that's how we lost our shorts, our, our, our all American shortstop two years ago. It was not, it wasn't anything on a slide. I mean, he got hurt on a slide, and then he came back. He was cleared, came back. We go to San Diego. We end up playing in this stupid extra inning game or whatever. Um, and there's a foul ball down the left field line. He's a shortstop. He goes down. He tries to make a diving play lands again and as soon as he caught up i mean you could see it it was he was done and his season his season was over he's actually popped out again in college the next year he had to sit he was at college of southern nevada csn and popped out again he's now moved to the outfield um it it, it does have an effect on guys that create havoc though i mean he's gonna have to taper it back and you're asking a guy that plays with his hair on fire to now say hey douse that fire a little bit you're not gonna be able to take as many chances and that that kind of sucks yeah power stuff fun. yeah i understand too but i'm I, i'm looking at what he can't do uh, now with what his legs allow him to do. And that concerns me too, because it will be a nagging problem. He's lucky he didn't tear the labrum. That's a big, that's, that's a luck. Right. Um, but but, a lot of that's on Nick. Like that's mental. That's in his own head. He's got to be smarter, but he's still got to play his game. So I think that goes from person to person from everything we've heard about Madrigal. He's a competitor, if you will. Like, I don't know how else to say that and not sound really corny, but um, like I don't know. Yeah. What's up? I didn't hear you. He's just like Nick Swisher, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know what I did? You know, it's kind of funny. I, you know what I noticed too is that I, I find it really telling that he, you know, that's kind of like the little guy getting his first experience of Major League Baseball too is in his head. No one's ever been able to throw him out in his lifetime right. in that situation I, ever. I think so his timing fair. is completely different when he goes to the big boys. And so, you know, and one thing that you always want to tell your guys, and I, he, he didn't see it because obviously the center fielder was crashing. You don't want a guy going first to third unless you see the unless you see the back pocket. If you see right. the outfielder's back pocket, that's when you take. So if it's a ball, if, if you see the back pocket, you're going first to third. Chris hit a ball yesterday. Or no, Chris went first to third. I think I want to base it by, uh, was it Rizzo? Rizzo. And, you know, it was a good one because why? It was in right center. It wasn't a direct – he wasn't crashing directly. He had to take an angle. And when they have to take that angle, that's when you get those bags. And I think that he misjudged because that ball was hit so hard. I think he misjudged the the guy's ability to take that route, and obviously the speed of the game is a little bit different. But I thought that was really telling too, is that he learned kind of learned the speed of the game a little bit. That you know, rough lesson on injury. If he would have been just banged at third, he still would have learned a really valuable lesson, which is timing is very different at this level. Yep, and I think if you're going to learn a lesson, he's not going to forget separating his shoulders, so <laughs> he's going to think twice about doing that. So that's sad. And then on the other White Sox injury front. Um, Ray Lopez is already throwing in Schaumburg. He's on a throwing plan. Uh, Carlos Rodon's probably going to go. No, they didn't even. He's still on the team. Who, Rodon? Yeah. No, he's on the injury list. He's, in, he's going to be in I'm Schaumburg. sorry. Yeah, he's going to be in Schaumburg. And then Tim Anderson is up and going already in Schaumburg as well. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a segue into the next big piece of White Sox news. Um, Ricky Renteria basically said, I still consider Timmy our leadoff guy and we'll find a way to adjust our lineup a little bit. Are you scared right. that that means Here it comes. some guy <laughs> who shouldn't be batting six or seven is going to be batting six or seven? Well, you're going to have not that. I'm not even talking about Tim Anderson. I'm just talking about other right. guys. You're going to have that no matter what with this White Sox lineup because – you have a lot of good hitters in this lineup. It's a fantastic problem to have. I mean, Luis Robert has not been a bad leadoff guy by any sense. Of, I mean, 
21 at bats, nine hits, five runs, two doubles, a homer. He's batting his slash is 429, 520, 667. And again, that's in 21 at bats. It's a very small sample size. Tim was hitting before he got hurt. He was hitting. I mean, he was doing his job. And Tim's kind of earned it. I mean, he earned that spot. He was performing in that spot. I don't mind Tim getting that spot back. Now, the question is, where do you put Robert? He's hitting so well, I don't want to see him back in the seventh spot. I'd like to see him a little bit more well-protected, even if that just means up in the five spot and have Eloy bat behind him. That can work for me. And then you, like we're seeing in Thursday night's lineup, Zach Collins is your DH and he's batting eighth. Like, if it's if I'm making the lineup now, I'm probably putting Luis Robert at least fifth. If Tim Anderson has to bat leadoff, it's it's interesting too. You do make a good point. I mean, is 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 there anything wrong? I mean, again, you don't want your best players, your best hitters, to not optimize their plate appearances. Right. So again, by pushing him down, is there is there a possibility that Renneria can? Because I look, I'll be honest. You know, I think he's, I think he's earned it, and like you said. But I also think that Tim Anderson, TA, is a brand now, and a developing brand. He's got doc, you know, he's got dude film, you know, following around with a film crew, and a dude that is building a brand ain't gonna hit seventh. So Tim Anderson's gonna have to be back in that spot. I don't see him moving out of the one spot. Just saying, yeah, sure, I'll give it up. He's he's still got his image to kind of maintain too. But I don't see the problem with putting Tim Anderson in one and then moving and putting. Um, Robert at at the at the two spot. I mean, it, there's, I mean, you just move Grandal down, and you move you put you put Abreu into a cleanup spot. It, you know, that's a great spot to be for a guy that seems to. I mean, I think Abreu wakes up and just steps on RBIs. He right. just he, he he'll fall out of bed and drive in two runs. I, he's just incredible. And so, I mean, if you could get a guy in front of um, Robert getting on, and then letting him do what he does. And Anderson's got good speed. You know, he can, you know, if you want to, you want to move Anderson a little bit, you can, they're not going to not pitch to, to, to Lou Bob. They're going to still pitch to him. And then you've got to deal with everybody else down. You got to go with Moncada. Then you got to deal with the Brave. Then you got to deal with Eloy and Grandal. And you just got, it, it just gets so worse. It's the problem with that is I don't see Renteria moving a Brave. Like, I, I really feel like that's like a thing for him. Like, He's gonna stand pat. Yeah, the, top, the top three is set. Yeah, I think it's yeah, Andrew, Anderson, Mankata, Abreu, and so I think the only thing that's debatable now is: Do you put Robert four or five? See, I mean, I. You can uh, still go right. You can still go righty, lefty, righty. If you go T A Mankata, Abreu, Grandal, Robert five. Right. That's righty. Yeah, that's, five. Yeah, that's righty switch. Righty switch. And then right. Eloy six, and then whoever's your DH. So your- and Carson Edwin, who isn't exactly hitting the cover off the ball before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. He's day to day. He should be yeah. moved down. I mean, when he's back too. I mean, he's so until he gets at seven, and then you have whoever's playing second base, and then right field. Well, probably Mazzara at eight, and then second base, and then Larry or Mendick. Yeah, yeah. Mendick's been hitting, man. Man, yeah, a problem I'm, I'm telling you, every guy who's like filling in right now has been pretty decent. Like Lurie filling in for TA, mm-hmm. he's got like hit a whole bunch of hits. Mendick, Mendick's like the only guy who got on. 
I'm actually I'm okay with Robert batting fifth for right now. It's interesting. I'm curious to see what Renria does. Would you be? I mean, honestly, if I'm looking at this lineup, I'm going, I'm going Anderson, Robert, Moncada, Abreu, um, Grandal. Am I missing someone? Did I miss Angle? Was it Angle? Maybe. Dude, no, no Angle, I mean, right he's field. not going to be up there. Just say right field. Yeah, just right field. Yeah, I, I'd put that right field. <laughs> Whoever the right fielder is, I put the right fielder in the eighth spot, and then you get someone that's going to be that second leadoff in that second nine hole. Base at nine. There you go, and then you have yeah, two B, whoever that is, two yep. not to be, and then I mean, the reason, that, yeah, the reason why it's right fielder is because it's going to be angle versus lefties and Mazzara versus righties. When we look at it on base percentage too, I mean, Moncada, Robert, Angle, Grandal, I mean, two guys getting on four out of ten times at minimum. That's fantastic, and then you've got some guys that you know. I mean, that's that's good to have, and that you want to have that. You want to have that at the top of your order. I just I, I feel weird. Saying that Lou Bob, you know, because again, I, I was kind of against him moving up to seven until the circumstance presented itself. But now I'm kind of in the, he oh, shouldn't, shit. I don't think he should move down that far either. I think he should, I, I think that there should be a, a two hole. So my bad. I had the wrong tab up. We got some YouTube comments here. Uh, little Yumper, yes, I was drunk. It does happen. Uh, CK Beef, he did do it a lot at OSU. And, that's what Kevin was talking about, how it's, he's never been thrown out before. And it was just like a timing. Like, it was a, it was, I know people like to say, oh, when was your welcome to the show moment? Oh, when I hit this two-run homer. No, that was Nick Madrigal's welcome to Major League Baseball moment. 100 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, And then Nukes, that better not be Matt Anuko. I don't think so. No. Or maybe? I don't think Nukes has a logo. Our Nuke. This our intern unless, better unless, not be commenting. Unless he's that's what he's been doing with his spare time. Just making our interns are a badass logo for himself. I need some yep. more coffee. <laughs> um, some more. Do you think Ricky is the man to take the socks all the way? Now that is a question that was being floated and it was very heavily debated when they came out on a little losing streak. Uh, people were mad and understandably so. So here's what my theory is on Ricky. First of all, we don't know who's making these lineups in today's major league baseball. It could be the front office. It could be some dude in a room darker than all those that has to sit there and <laughs> just look at analytics all day. I will address the darkness and why it kind of looks like I'm in a <laughs> hostage video in a minute. Um, Blink one for help twice but, for really help. Okay. So we don't know who's making these lineups every day. It's not like it used to be. The manager doesn't have, you know, whatever. His in-game decisions have been better. Um, there's been some weird bunting. Like, I don't get why Mankata's bunting. But there's that's fine. That's going to happen. His management of the bullpen has been masterful so far this year. Fantastic. Um, and then I really think, and this is like the difference between Ricky's time with the Cubs versus Ricky's time with the Sox with these young teams. So this White Sox team is very heavy Latino. And I really think that Ricky appeals to them and Ricky has earned the respect of that locker room. When these players talk about Ricky, they speak in a very high regard and it doesn't seem forced. Um, You see in videos like unprovoked Tim Anderson's like, hold on, let me get the skip. He's the best manager in the league. You know, and he pulls him into the video Um, the way that, we saw actually uh, when Luis Robert came in, um, 
some base running. You saw Ricky go right up to him, and he was definitely speaking Spanish because you couldn't read his lips. But he was telling him, Kevin, exactly what you were saying about Madrigal. You don't want to run unless you can see, he kept saying, numbers on the back, numbers on the back. So he's like, you shouldn't be taking that base until you see that guy's numbers on his back or back pocket in your example. So I really think that Ricky has that locker room. I also think that he has a good understanding with Jose Abreu, kind of like, don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you, and we'll get this done together. That's one of the big reasons why I think Jose Abreu's not moving out of that third spot. Um, I don't know. I just – I don't – I Sadly, what I think is the biggest factor, if they want to move him or not move him, we are seeing it with the Bulls. It's because Jerry isn't going to want to spend for another manager. <laughs> like, I mean, again, we have no clue what Rick Renteria's contract situation is with the White Sox, but he, I mean, he's not one of the, nowhere near close, Mm-mm. one of the highest paid guys. Um, so I don't think uh, Jerry Reinsworth is going to go out of his way this offseason to be like, you know what, let's go get this hot guy hot guy, whoever the like number one hot candidate is to be a manager. You know, now we're seeing the trend where like they're going young, they're going like players who've been out of the league for like a couple of years. So mm-hmm. I I'd sadly I think it's just gonna be the money. It's like he's cheap and you know he's fine. So was his contract Yeah, no you're right. Do we know the length of his contract or no, do we know nothing? We know nothing. Do he like, could have been I, like a you get one more year you're playing. You're coaching for your job. I think. Kind of the, I think the last know. time I heard about it was after 2018. There was like it happened like a week before the season started, and there was just like a vague report that he got an extension, but we didn't know how long, and we didn't know for how much. Like we that was WikiLeaks. That's literally the only thing that was reported. We need, we need Major League WikiLeaks. We need someone to drop that contract for us. Probably know he like sliced open his hand and like signed something in. <laughs> And like they sacrificed the goat, and that's how Jose Quintana actually signed his his plane ticket. Yep. So, uh, so their Tim Anderson quotes are getting fired off on Twitter right now. Tim Anderson on what he likes most about leading off. Quote: I get the party started. Yeah, that's what Tim Anderson does. But he, hey man, he's he's big energy. He's and he's producing at the leadoff spot. Hopefully, he's taking some ground balls in Schaumburg. But that's another – that's a little shade. Um, By the way, I do want to address David's a question or a comment <laughs> that I am not letting any sunlight through my house. It's been 110 degrees or above for like the past 45 days in Phoenix. Oh, I, I just that. got my electric bill. I do not need any more sun coming into my apartment. And that is why all shades close all the time. I, that's probably the best answer you could have given because – Oh God, I could not live in that. Man, what would it be like if you lived in a place where it was 110 degrees outside? It would be terrible. Oh wait, I'm good, man. It's like 76 in Chicago. This week's been awesome. I hear you, Aldo. When we go outside, is it not like a hair dryer just blowing in your face? It's disgusting. Yeah, it's it's, it's this is our winter here in the West. It's our winter. We don't go outside. At least it's easier to quarantine. At least here it's like seven. It you want to be outside and do I want to drink in a beer garden. I want to do all this stuff right now. I have zero <laughs> interest to ever go out in the day when it's literally not joking, it's been 110 for like at least a month straight. I would not want I would <laughs> my <laughs> electric bill would be so ridiculous because my AC would be set at sixty-eight. <laughs> it's yeah. a crack up here though, because golden like say, you know, hockey is now going on and it's freaking August. You're looking at, I'm watching some people walking around Las Vegas in this heat and they're wearing their hockey sweaters. 
I'm like, are you insane? And jeans. I'm like, are you? What's, what's wrong with you? But hey, it's you know that's a good part about the you know you got the heat. I mean, Arizona that would have been a great place for the if they'd have bubbled up, but right now would oh, not be the fun well, time. Wouldn't have because everyone had to be playing outside and just guys would be dropping even more every day. No. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and Yumper, you're right. It's just it's same. It's same. It's the same old shit from Jerry. Yeah, like, that's yeah. what it is. I mean, I'm not Jesus, gonna go, I'm not gonna go down this road again because it's a if it's not one team, it's the other. Everybody knows it. It's gonna happen sooner or later, though, where we're gonna finally get new ownership in Chicago, and yeah, it is what it is with that. So, uh, White Sox. Uh, since the last time we talked, they've won every game except for one. Uh, they had a one nothing loss on Wednesday night to Milwaukee, but it's more credit to the pitching than I. Like I said, they're as I said, annoyingly good, pitching. annoyingly good starting pitching, and because you don't really know these guys, and like yeah, they've had like some success, but like they're just putting a group of guys that you maybe heard of once or twice and they're going out there and shutting down like shutting you down like nothing <laughs> right and you know what it's fine um how's or yeah hauser pitched really well had a really heavy fastball getting a lot of ground balls it's cool some of the good takeaways from a one nothing the white Sox at like four balls to the track steve stone even said it's like weirdly cold like i said it's in the 60s at night here right now Mm-hmm. And the ball is just not traveling like it usually does. So whatever. I'm not going to make excuses. Hauser pitched really well. The biggest takeaway for me from that loss was Dallas Keiko was very good again, like very good. Oh, he, uh, I think I saw it was the most. I think he had 17 or 18 whiffs, mm-hmm. and it was that was his highest since like the middle of 2017. Dude, he looks very good. Like he looks. I don't want to say he looked like. He's, the, he's, he looks, yeah. He's pitching yeah. like grace right now. He's pitching very good. Uh, he went seven, gave up five hits, but the big thing was eight strikeouts. He had four strikeouts total this season going into the game. He had eight strikeouts in that game. I mean, it wasn't exactly a powerhouse lineup from Milwaukee, but still eight strikeouts, and they were good strikeouts, good location. Dallas Keiko looks legit this year, and, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy because you have to say that about every pitcher right now, but – he looks very good. Um, so we got Sox got one more versus Milwaukee on Thursday night. You got Gio Gonzalez going against Lindblom. Um, and then a weekend series at home against them damn Indians, man. And they look good too. Um, pitching, I mean, their pitching is unbelievable. Again, like we said yes. a couple weeks ago, no clue who is in their outfield. But I think the stat was Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber has held opponents to a to a lower no. The OPS against Shane Bieber is like the same as their outfield, which is like in the five forties. Yep, they're they're currently sitting on a seven and six record as we record this on Thursday night. Uh, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Uh, we get that Bieber Giolito matchup. That should be good. Uh, Friday night. Uh, my boy, and I, I'm still calling him my boy, Dylan Sees. He gets a little uh, – hopefully he can get a little payback, a little revenge game from the horrible outing he had earlier this year against – but he's got to go against Savali. I think, I think the key is just, you know, get 
uh, get Lindor out that first time and then yep. keep that confidence going? Because that kind of yeah. like his first start where he looked fine and then gave it the home run and kind of lost it's very big for Dylan Cease to have a good first inning because he obviously is a very different pitcher when he's rolling with confidence. And Yumper, I'm not even going to bring that up yet. We're going to get yet. to it. In just <laughs> he's so um, he's so excited for that. He called it too. Yeah. Um, oh, what yeah, do you think really- about uh, your boy, Ross Detweiler? So many boys. Which one? He's talking about saviors. He's the, he's been the savior this year. So. A lot of there's been a lot of talk with Ray Lowe being hurt and Carlos Rodon being banged up. You know who's going to pitch, whatever. And some people said give Big Ross. Me, no. He's killing it with what he's doing right now. So why don't 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 mess with it right now? The White Sox bullpen has been phenomenal so far. But do you like what they're going to do on Saturday? Because I mean that's Rodon's spot, and obviously he's not in there. So I think they're going to do bullpen day. Which is well, there you go with your big Ross. Big Ross will probably get a big chunk of that. Uh, here has been fantastic. That kid is throwing very good right now. He's uh, giving up but, an average of 84 miles an hour on his exit velocity. Yeah. He's, he's not getting barreled up at all. And they got the uh, hold on, I gotta find this kid's name because I don't want whoever <laughs> I got. No, I got a phone. Yeah, Matt Foster. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Went to Alabama. So <laughs> they talk about it ad nauseum when he pitches, which is fine. I mean, it's something to be proud of, but I don't get what Steve and Benetti have, like this obsession with Alabama. But I tweeted out a joke, terrible joke, whatever. I just said, hey, did Matt Foster play at Alabama? Does anyone know they haven't been talking about it? Just whatever. <laughs> Like three days later, from nowhere, I got a reply from this woman on Twitter. Yeah, I'm his aunt. He's from blah, 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 Alabama. He's a good Christian boy. Played there every day. Came home from high school. And I'm like, I just wrote back, like, I'm sorry, ma'am. This was a joke. I didn't mean to, you know. And then, like, some other lady responded, like, yeah, he's from, like, all these, like, his aunts and, like, cousins in Alabama started coming at me. Like, hell yeah, he's from Alabama. It's like, holy shit. They're taking turns and logging into the computer. Is he from Alabama and he went to? Yeah. The University of Alabama. Oh. See, that's the thing, though. You have to remember, there's no pro pro teams in Alabama. That's right. all they have. I get it. It's been <laughs> such a weird week for me on Twitter. Oh, we got to talk about the other. Weird so you're like reminding simultaneous- you that Jason Kipnis is from Chicago. You're like, simultaneously like getting invited to uh, family barbecues well, and like getting shunned. Get- that's the next thing I want to get to. After the the Matt Foster fan club came at me, they were very nice though. They didn't like they weren't mean or they just wanted to set you straight. Though. Yeah, they just wanted to make sure I know Matt Foster from Alabama, which I will never forget. I hope to got him on a trivia show twenty years from now, and they're like White Sox relieving pitcher Matt, Matt Foster. What's cool? <laughs> Boom, Alabama. I even got Crimson on today, baby. Oh, there are you we go. sure that he? Are we sure he's not a big Auburn fan? I mean, are we? Do, do we have confirmation that he's no, he's a Bama guy? Don't don't. I think don't uh, so you should ask. You should ask your new we're, about get, we're about to get like bombarded from Alabama fans after you just said that. Mm-hmm. So then the other family member who followed me on Twitter is Nick Madrigal's dad, which I think is actually kind of cool. Um. 
I actually wouldn't mind having him on the show. He actually raised two boys to be Major League Baseball players. He knows kind of what he's doing right now. People forget Nick Madrigal's brother got signed by the White Sox. Um, Was that like a Kenny Williams son signing? I think it, meh, he's pretty good. I guess I I don't really I haven't really gone. No on. disrespect. I'm just asking. I don't know. But so Madrigal's dad followed me on Twitter, and now he's starting to like my tweets. And like best buds. I don't think I'll ever say anything bad about Madrigal, but I'm nervous. I don't think you can. I don't think you can, though. I, I can. I don't think I can. So here, here's the deal. If you don't want me to talk shit about you on Twitter, just have your dad or aunt or someone follow me because then i feel bad i don't want to talk shit about you in front of your family members. i'm texting my mom right now she's on twitter <laughs> oh, so yeah that was that was strange i think i'm going to the next magical family barbecue which is pretty sweet <laughs> um but yeah that's about it i mean there's no real big socks news i mean we t- we touched on it i think this series against cleveland this weekend's big um i don't know if you guys know this or not but we're 16.7% through the season. I don't know, whatever number. Oh, that I know very well how this would translate in a regular season. So. Um, but I think this is a big series. You're tied with Cleveland. Obviously, the top two teams make um, – Automatically <laughs> go in the playoffs. Automatically go in the playoffs. So it's it's important to get into second place. Second place, sorry. I'm laughing because of the comment. He found out you love his son as much as he does. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you, King Mac, and then Nick Magical's dad. I don't know, Mac is – I really think Mac would ride on somebody for Magical right now. Like, Mac's – I don't know. I wouldn't fuck with Mac when it comes to – there's like a whole little corner, dude, of Magical stands. And, yeah. Um, Rightfully so, though. Plays the game. Uh, he plays the game in a way that people yeah. really kind of attracted to. Yeah, I don't want to go down this road again. But he's a good player. He's an easy guy to root for. He's, he's like everything Nick Swisher wanted to be. Oh, fuck Nick Swisher. <laughs> That's the drinking game. We should make it so I, when you tweet this episode out, just say drink every time Zoe says fuck Nick Swisher. I think we got two so far. Three. Three. Four now. Four now. There you go. Hammered by the time this thing's over. Um, but Shot back to uh, Aloha Mr. Hand right there. Oh, yep. Only two finger shots, though, Mr. Hand. I'll put it all in one shot and just take it all at once. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, big series. You're seeing uh, Cleveland's ace, obviously, on Sunday. But, like you said, although the rest of their pitching has been annoyingly good. I think that's the best way to put it right now. Just annoyingly good. Yeah, he's been lights out. It's, it's like frustrating because, like, I mean, they're not big names yet. I mean, they're barely coming up there. Like, they've they barely started last year, but it's like, what? Yeah, who you are these some, guys? on Friday night who pitched really good against the Sox, then Plesak versus the bullpen on Saturday, and then you wind it up with like an all star game on Sunday where you have Bieber versus Giolito. Bieber's been so good, dude. He's 3 0 with a 0.83 ERA. Decent. <sighs> He's so <laughs> He's been so good. And then we haven't even talked. I mean, they still have Clevenger and Caresco, too. Mm -hmm. No, no, all their guys are just – I mean, they have to be because their offense is shit. (laughs) I can't name one guy in the outfield for Cleveland. I think I only know Zimmer. Yeah, Zimmer because he played for the Royals. 
I don't even know. But I just yeah, he, I think he hit a home run. And I think Mercado, because he had a nice slide against the Reds on uh, Wednesday night. So that was cool. Those are the yeah, two guys I know. That's really it. I mean. Oh, we know. I'm lying. Okay, I do know these guys, but even when you know them, they're, they're it's not like, oh, wow, that's a good player. Like, they have yeah. Framil Reyes, uh, who sometimes plays center. They got him in a trade, but yeah. it, he, he's not that good. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I sit here and I'm like, oh, shit, Zimmer's up. Like, again, they, again the, the the OPS for the outfielders combined is like 543 or something. Yeah, the Indians have two guys, two players that are hitting over 240. Dear God, that's horrible. Lindor is like grinding into double plays with the bases loaded. It's not. Basically, we just say that happens. Uh, Magical did it. Um, only the worst, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't suck if, like, Savali had, like, a off night on Friday and the White Sox touched him up for 10 runs because, I mean, a five-run lead, I feel pretty good right now against the Indians. Like, Speaking of that, I do have to ask. Hmm. So I don't think it's – well, by the end of the season, will Alex Colomay remain the closer? Yeah. Okay. If, especially if they're going to make the playoffs. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're going to have Aaron Bummer. I think like that's your closer of the future, I think, right? Yeah. He's my closer in MLB The Show, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, the thing about Colme, he works really slow, and he likes to get into 3-2 counts, <laughs> which is – not exactly what you want from your well, I have no I have no clue what you're talking about with relievers getting into long but count. He hasn't blown a save yet. Hey, getting, Craig Kimbrell hasn't either. People forget. Getting, getting the job done. Undefeated when he pitches. Cubs are undefeated when uh, Kimbrell pitches. But yeah, no. back to Cole. Sox are undefeated when Magical plays. Um, <laughs> oh, no. What if they just go on like, another losing sh- Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, rough. You just spoke that into existence. Oh, no. So what have you done? Oh, it's all over Twitter. Uh, Colmead's pitched five games. He's got three saves, five innings pitched. He's given up five hits, one walk, three strikeouts. His caper nine is 5.4. He's got a 1.20 clip and a zero ERA. Like, that's a good closer. It's a good closer. Those numbers are great. It's just people just don't like how he operates. You know, Is this if I down at all, that's the only thing more, that I'd be worried about. He's going more cutter. He's abusing that cutter. People are going to catch up to it too. He's not Mariano Rivera. I mean, he's abusing that cutter. Um, but if we did one of those like, oh shit, movies, you're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> so according to Fangraph, so far, uh, Alex like, Colomay seventy four point seven percent cutters. 25.3% fastballs. Yep. Oh, my God. And it, right now it's working, but as the first time he can't locate something of those, who do we? It's going to be. And, yeah, no, he is, his, his, his velocity is down a few miles per hour so far. So he's been yep. throwing 2018. He was throwing like 95.6. So he's basically been a like 95 mile per hour guy. Last year, that went a little down to 94.7, and then this year, it's gone down to 93.9. Yes, but he's locating pitches, so that's why he's getting by. But he's also throwing a shit ton of pitches. Like, for a closer, 
Shouldn't and his, ooh, his putter is down two miles per hour actually this year. He's no going to well, no, it's, good. It's, it's interesting though because it you do get a point where if a guy gets shaky enough, I mean you can work around it this year I think because I mean I think the Sox are in good shape to make the postseason. All right. Some people are saying think, that Cody uh, Hewer might be our closer of the future. Oh, oh, he is. He's also been impressive. I mean, yes. your entire bullpen. Ed, <laughs> fucking jealous. Like, this, this is what I'm saying about Coleman though. If I didn't say his name. And I just read off that stat line. You'd be like, "That's a pretty fucking good closer." The key is just not giving up walks. He's only giving up what two, three? Oh, that's good. One, one walk. He's walked one guy in five innings. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a. Uh, I mean, I, I'm Indian. not going to be concerned right now, but. No, and again, I, 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 like, just... I, I definitely think right now the Sox aren't thinking like you know we're going to bring back Alex Coleman to be our closer next year. No. Not for so, that money either, but right. I think the reason why it's being discussed at length in White Sox Twitter is because he doesn't do it easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe like, he'll get into three, two counts and a guy will fall off four pitches and it's like, all right, we're at the eighth pitch of this at bat. And it's like, just get the fucking guy out, man. Um, but yeah, as of right now, I'm good with him. I'll ride with him as the closer. I got nothing. I'm not going to go down to negative town. And now a word from our sponsors. Let's let's keep talking about bullpens. Ooh. Let's and uh, segue. Let's let's go to the north side of town. Why do I smell I believe, hot, wet trash? Mm. I believe on this show, in jest, I said after I said Calvera was released, I believe I said. I think there's a team on the north side of town that could use some bullpen help in which both of you were like, no way, get out of it. That'll never happen. And we all laughed. We had a good time. He's laughing it up. He's enjoying himself. And then on Thursday night, right before we started recording this, it came out. The cup side Kelvin Herrera. Oh. The cup side Kelvin Herrera. <laughs> I don't like, when he goes like, out there and gets Rolaids Relief Man of the Year award. Degrees in Arizona before then, if you were in all those general vicinity, the temperature went up to about 200. I, I do not like the fact that there was like a lot of people making that joke, and then it happened a week later. <laughs> yeah, but hey, he's been good ones, right? I guess he can. As I said, okay, so like the only reason I was like just so cooked. unsettled, upsetting, mad, like for like the first minute, because I just like finished reading this like. Phenomenal quote about Cubs prospect Brennan Davis being compared to the, the fucking Hall of Famer. Talking about like Cubs coach has been there since 2009, and he's like just raving about this 20 year old outfield prospect. It's like fuck yeah. And then I go on Twitter, first thing I see, <laughs> Cubs signed Kelvin Herrera. Ugh. All right, so here's a cup again. Like all these other signings, like Cody Allen, they send this other dude who's like with. Who's like with the uh, Blue Jays? I think. Why do I know that name, Cody Allen? Because he used to be a fucking badass closer for the Indians. Okay. And here's the thing: like the Cubs are signing these guys who were like great. It's basically like Ryan Pace, like building like the 2015 Pro Bowl. Like the Cubs are like signing all the best relievers from like four or five years ago. But it's it's not four or five years ago. It's 2020. Kevin Hayes. I mean, he was good two years ago still. Uh, went to the Sox again, as we've discussed. Fastball velocity went down. 
he his he doubled his walk rate last year with the Sox. Started to give up more home runs, which is a concern. But I guess, as, like I wrote about it, how you know, home runs went through the roof in 2019. So that that's like nothing specific right. for Herrera. But his fastball velocity keeps going down. That's gone down again in 2020 before the Sox released him. So I mean, I don't know. Like the Cubs are at a point where okay, fine. And like I said, like I cooled down. Got you know, it wasn't like 130 degrees anymore around me. And just like these other signings, it's, it's depth. You see if it, it's a minor league deal. If it doesn't work out, who cares? You're bringing in a guy to see who's had success. And you're going to, and you're seeing if, you know, if you can figure something out with them, if you can make one little adjustment, you know, they've done it with other guys. They've done it with Rowan Wick came in, Kyle Ryan before this year, before his velocity went down too. And it's like, hey, maybe, maybe they can make this one little tweak, a little adjustment and get this guy right. And hey, you got a guy for like no money. Right. If it doesn't work out, who cares? Release them. It doesn't matter. But yeah, they sent them to uh to their South Bend location. Right. Yeah. And like, that, but the but the one thing I don't want is like I don't want there to be a conversation like in later in the month or in September, whenever it is. I don't want this scenario where the Cubs are deciding between Kelvin Herrera and like a young prospect. Just just go with the young prospect. Like, come on. Like, you, we don't need to see. I I don't want to see. I don't think a lot of fans. Want, I don't think anyone wants to see Calvin Herrera pitch. Uh, you know, in the eighth inning in a two-one game in September. Right. I don't, Unless I don't, he's all of a sudden been tearing it up for out of the blue. But. I honestly don't think you've seen Calvin Herrera in a Chicago Cubs uniform this season. I mean, if if you do, and Yump is correct. I'm just gonna call you Yump. I'm not gonna keep saying Lil Yumper. Yump is correct. <laughs> L Y. There you go. Yump, I like Yump. Yump's correct. It really does feel like Theo and Jed are just basically just throwing the pasta against the wall, seeing what sticks, seeing, you know what I mean? And You got to do what you got to do when your bullpen's a dumpster fire. The only thing is with Herrera, I mean, he was literally playing in your backyard. You saw he's cooked. The dude's cooked. I mean, they had to have gotten him for crazy cheap, right? You know, it's a minor league deal. It's like yeah. this. It's and it's prorated too. It's not like I don't think it's gonna be a million dollars. All right, so, <laughs> it's, risky, so it's not a risky investment. I mean, it's not. I mean, well, well I mean, yeah, Rick, no, it's no, no risk. Like I'm gonna, no risk. I'm, I'm taking this ship and I'm staring it away from this, and we're getting right in. You guys have the hottest team in the National League right now. We don't That's need to be talking. Some would say. Yeah, we don't really need to be talking about fuck the Yankees. I'll take the Cubs. I <laughs> I hate the Yankees more. I hate the Cubs. I'll put it that way. Um. Yeah, Cubs are on fire, dude. Was it seven in a row? Six. Six, Six in, in a row, row heading into Thursday night. Six in a row heading into Thursday night. And, yeah, man. I mean. Uh, what I want to say, there are lots of 2016 parallels, which people forget uh, the Cubs won the 2016 World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the starting rotation, historic starting rotation so far through 12 games. Kyle Hendricks has the highest ERA out of them at like 3.54 or something. Explain historic. Historic. So I think it's the best. I think it's like the lowest batting average, lowest hits allowed since at least 1901. In the modern baseball, in the like modern baseball, like era. probably goes before that, but like, you know, when, you know, things were actually kept on record. Uh, let's see. I think they're now. It's been three games in a row. I guess he's pitched at least seven innings. Well, I mean, uh, even Thursday night, 
going into this game, you have the 2-0, 0.71 ERA having Tyler Chatwood pitching for you. One run in his first two starts, and, I mean, ho- hopefully that should continue against a bad Royals team. Can we stay there for a second, though? Because now there's been talk that when Quintana comes back, putting Tyler Chatwood back in the bullpen to give that bullpen a little boost because it's been bad. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you're on board with? Or I'm kind of in the, in the mindset of the guy's 2-0 and with a .71 ERA. Counter, that was from just one guy. What the Cubs have actually been talking about is putting Jose Quintana in the bullpen. So oh, Jose from, Quintana in the bullpen. From, yeah. from my understanding, that is what – because they talked about it, I think, on Wednesday is – so the original plan was obviously fucked up his thumb from whatever he did. Dishes. He – the original plan was obviously you're thinking about stretching him back out as a starter. Like maybe he goes back to like back in the rotation by August. But as we've seen through like the first uh, couple weeks of the season, rotation has been lights out. Alec Mills has been fantastic. Tyler Chatwin, Chatwood, Chatwin. Oh man. I said that like, he's been amazing. So there's no way you can – if this even continues for like a little bit, like I, I mean I don't think these guys are going to be pitching like a below one ERA, but if they just continue this hot streak where they're going six innings and just keeping the Cubs in every single game, the Cubs are already talking about how, you know, he's going to pitch uh, BP or simulated games for a couple more weeks, mm-hmm. and then we're going to evaluate the rotation and how the bullpen is. So f- from what I took away is, hey, if the rotation just keeps going – and the bullpen still needs help, which, I mean, it, it is going to need help. Mm-hmm. They're probably just going to put Quintana in the bullpen, and he'll get he'll continue. If they ever do want him put him back in the rotation, if, like, let's say a guy struggles in the next month or so, Quintana can get those innings in and stretch out from the bullpen, which yeah. is a perfect scenario for the Cubs. I'm not going to lie. I'm loving this Quintana to the bullpen. I think it's a great move for him. Well, you don't, if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. It's ridiculous yeah. that even like, and I think it was Gordon. Uh, what's Gordon from the, yeah. Who's the one that threw that out there on the radio today. And it's, it's absurd to think that you would take a historic, uh, literally the best start for a starting pitching rotation in the modern baseball era. And you're going to say, yeah, no, no dude that, that was been mediocre this whole time who cut his thumb doing quote unquote dishes is going to go ahead and just bump one of these guys out. Now look, will he eventually if Alec Mills or Chatwood kind of like, you know, eventually, you know, they're not going to be historic for, I mean, if they are historic, for, uh, fantastic, but I, you know, you doubt that's going to keep up. If but, the Cubs rotation has a 1.95 ERA, yeah. they are winning the World Series. I'm going to go yeah, out not, on a limb. And, and you don't mess with it until it, you, you have to. And so Quintana needs to go. He Clip threw a bullpen today. That audio. Clip that audio. I, want I mean, that. here's the thing. I, the Cubs aren't, the Cubs rotation isn't going to stay with the 1.95 ERA. I know. I know. So, but, but, you do clip that audio. <laughs> They're um, hanging in there long enough for the offense to get going, though. That's the best part about this is the offense hasn't been like lights out. It's been clutch in the seventh through ninth inning, but the, the 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 starting rotation has allowed the Cubs to stay in games long enough for their big bats to finally get going. Whether it's in, in at the end of the game, now they haven't gotten they haven't hit that peak where they're really strafing the baseball all around. They're winning five to one, three to nothing. You know when the when the offense does click as it's supposed to, I'm assuming that's when the starting pitching is going to probably hit a little bit of a wall, and it's going to kind of be a nice balance of you guys struggled, and now we're going to kind of go struggle, but you're going to pick us up now by scoring eight or nine runs in a game. Like you can do that, and I think that's kind of where it's headed. But it's un, it's unbelievable to watch. Alec Mills has been, you know, someone was actually concerned with Alec Mills back door, you know, being back to back with Kyle Hendricks, and what did Kyle Hendricks do? 
same thing. Like you went on dominated. I don't think you have to worry about their stuff being so similar that they're not going to be effective going back to back against the same team. It's a totally different. I mean, it's 24 hours difference. You're not going to get your timing down on guys like that. They're, they're both magicians out there. And I love watching those two guys together. And then, you know, as a question, which I've seen also brought up a bunch of times from some other people though, do you think they would try to flip a Quintana for some bullpen help? I think Quintana is the bullpen help. I'm all in on that idea. I think it's a great idea, especially in this shortened season where people are weirded out by trades and like the whole isolating and like no one's going to trade with the Cardinals or the Marlins because their guys are all fuck ups and they're doing this shit. And like, I really hated seeing Yadi Molina get COVID. Obviously, I hope he's fine. <laughs> I don't wish ill and I'm not cheering for an injury, as I've said earlier, but. Fuck Yadi Molina. Shit, that um, COVID stuck to him like pine tar on a chest protector. Chest protector. <laughs> I think a lot of uh, <laughs> that, that was very good. So I think a lot of the talk about because even I brought it up, but it was for the socks. But I mean, the socks aren't gonna. It doesn't. They're just gonna stay in the house. Someone else pulled that out too, not just you. Someone else mm-hmm. did the whole. I think maybe. no. I think Bleacher Nation. They they wrote about it too. It's like, should oh, the Cubs yeah. consider trading uh, time back to the Sox? Uh, but like you said, I don't think. I will we've give you like, one Alex Colomine for <laughs> We've seen like very minor trades so far. I just don't see any major no. things going down. Uh, the only angle besides just trying to get another reliever for like a top end. I mean, you're not going to, I don't think you're, you're not going to get a top end reliever. Jose Quintana is like, Oh, maybe the Cubs want to do it for like salary relief and like get underneath the leg luxury tax for the year. Cause you don't want the repeat uh, penalties. And again, they're, we've debated we've mf tom ricketts for a year mm-hmm. that he of course the cubs can afford the penalties but okay fine we, we had to accept the fact that that's just not gonna be the case and the sad thing is they're just probably not gonna spend next their next offseason and so they're just not gonna have those penalties again uh yeah. so i don't think that i don't think the worry about like getting underneath the threshold and like shedding payroll and obviously Quintana is one of those guys that you can do Mm-hmm. I, so it's like I don't think that's really a priority for them. And again, like Zoe, like you said, yeah, I think right now putting Quintana in as your bullpen help. Uh, I, like it. I, I like think it you get, I think you get more from that than bringing in a guy and hoping that he will help your bullpen. Now the Cubs are going to play the Cardinals as scheduled, correct? Yes. So far, so good. Okay, because that's what they got coming up this weekend. Thursday night they have. They're in Kansas City, layup. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, are they playing? In St. Louis. In St. Louis? Okay. Yeah, they're like a three-hour bus ride. Right, no, I get out. that, but wasn't their clubhouse the one that got cooties? Um, The home clubhouse. Nobody's yeah, gotten home, cooties. Yeah, no one from, it was just them, so. All right, well, I got to imagine they bleach bombed the shit out of that clubhouse by now, but. I did find it, by the way, I think we talked about it. I found it really interesting that, that, uh. Colton and uh, Yachty both threw the other four guys that came up down with COVID under the bus in their statements. Like they're like, I didn't, I did everything and I followed all the protocol and I still got it basically saying it wasn't me. It was one of these other dipshits. And both of Mm -hmm. their releases basically said that, which kind of cracks me up because I mean, wow, that's a great kind of teammate thing to do is to let everyone else know that it wasn't you that got COVID, but this dipshit over here did. And you kind of threw the guy under the bus. Like either way, either way, either way, it's a bad look. Cause number one, either they're telling the truth and they just threw the other guys underneath the bus or two, it's just, they're just lying. So speaking of telling the truth, did you see what Jeter, how Jeter tried to spin zone the Marlins? 
Oh. What do you say? I saw something. Oh, I saw one of them. But he was trying that, to get milk. Yeah, the guy got it because he was going out <laughs> to get milk for his family, and the other guy got it because he went to a dinner. Derek, stop. Come on, dude. <laughs> it was hilarious. He was dead ass serious. So, oh, it was awesome. Did he send him a gift basket? Probably. See, that's the thing. You think that Derek Jeter like, everything like on lockdown when he was a player. So, like, he should be better at these like hiding things. Like, don't don't give us the milk story. Yeah, that was awesome though. When he's like, <laughs> the guy got it because he went to the corner store getting his. Wife and child, some milk. All right, so let's let's keep going with 2016 Cubs parallels again. Cubs ten and two, option the best record since the last time that they won the World Series. Oh, 2016. People, it's forget. their best start since 2000 or since 1969. Actually, first well, 12 games, it's their best start since 1969. Let's not talk about those chokers. No offense. Um, <laughs> I know everybody. Loves, season, they wouldn't have choked. If I, they I know. I know everyone loves nice. the 69 Cubs, but. Let's nice. call it spade a spade. Uh, so another parallel, 2016 team. All right, so right now, Cubs tied with the Padres with 28 runs in the seventh inning or later this year. 11 home runs, uh, 949 OPS. That leads the majors. We saw, and it became a little Twitter thing in, during t- 2016 when it was after the closer, fuck the closer, get those runs in in the seventh and eighth inning. So you turn like a two, three run ball game into like a four, five, six run ball game. And then you screw up. At the time, it was like Rondon, Hector Rondon, and then make a trade for Chapman, you know, screw the closers out of a save opportunity. And we're seeing that again. Mm-hmm. I brought up how <laughs> the three times that Craig Kimbrell has come in and given up runs, the Cubs were able to extend their leads the inning before. And thank God, because they would have lost all three games. Uh, and we've seen it with like other guys too when they've come in. That's a great sign. As you said, Kevin, this is what good teams do. They add on late. They get to those bullpens. That's the championship rounds. Inning seven through nine, you're in a close ball game. And I use this kind of term quite frequently on our in our message too. But you know, when you're getting, you know, it's a one run game or a two run game, and you go into the you're the home team and you go in the bottom of the eighth inning and you go up there and put up like a two spot, you want you knock your opponent's dicks right in the dirt. Like it's it's out, it's over. It's it's you put them away. And that is such a deflator. When you have a team that can do that and consistently do that, it really does. It, it makes it easier on your bullpen, but it really does. It really does knock your opponents out. Like your opponents, that's a, that's a, that's, it makes, it feels like a 10 run game all of a sudden when you're, when you go from being down one or two and then all of a sudden it's a three run deficit, four run deficit, or better yet, one swing can't even tie a game. That makes it huge. And that's, those are winning teams do that. Those are the championship rounds. Make no, make no mistake about it. Teams that score late generally win more ball games and it, it i don't know i don't have a stat to back that up i could just tell you over experience over the years teams that score late generally have high 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 clutch rating and they, they tend to get it done when it matters most and the cubs have been doing it consistently this year next man up too i love it it's a different hero it seems like every night which is straight up tw tw baby yep it's ele everybody <laughs> love everybody by the way okay last parallel 2016 oh boy here we go and this was actually this is a big thing because it was noticeably missing for the past couple of years, especially last year when it was a shit show. Going to mimes and having magicians coming to clubhouse. Almost. Damn. So this was from a couple of days ago, but the Cubs were at 15 defensive runs saved, and that was leading the league. The 2016 Cubs considered one of the best defensive teams ever in MLB history. So. The Cubs right now aren't to that level yet, but that defense is just lights up. 
Chris Bryant making every fucking play, except for like one. There's like one who's playing uh, in Cincinnati. Baez obviously getting everything. The tags are back. Uh, Zoe's favorite. Uh, Rizzo playing his same. There goal was some tags. Defense. There was uh, some Horner. I mean, Horner just like fucked up a couple times, but uh, fine. But he's, he he's made a nice play to his second. left the other night, too. Um, the like outfield, that? Kyle Schwarber, again, isn't as bad as like everyone wants to make him to be. Jason yeah. Hayward is the same. Gold, gold, gold glove defense and right. And, you know, Ian Happ is like average and center. That's fine. He's never going to be great, but he's good enough. Cubs are leading the Major League Baseball in team war. Oh, yeah. Um, hold on. I want to see defensive stats, though, here. Yeah, I, a lot of it has to do – and it's weird how a pitching staff can energize. Like, everyone – it just – you play top this. You, the pitching staff starts playing well. The offense – some of those guys are like, well, I'm – watch the – well, okay, my turn. Let's, let's Let me contribute. You know, and so that that really does push a team too. That's what I kind of like. You know, like this Chatwood resurgence. I mean, that that's such a big deal. That Chatwood resurgence must make guys that have struggled feel better because he waited his time and he's he's having success now. And we've got a guy like <clears throat> Albert Almora um, that might struggle a lot. Or Ian Happ, more specifically, I think is a better a better example. Ian's kind of struggled a little bit, but he's I think Ian Happ's been an unsung hero. Wait, struggled where? No, I'm saying that he struggled early on in his career, and now he's starting to put oh, it to, he's put together like like you know what I mean. Those guys that keep plugging away until it finally works, and there was a lot of pressure on him. And now it's starting to it start Hap is starting to become the player that I think a lot of people believed him to be, and that's that's exciting. Almora unfortunately has gone the other direction, but um, that's a fun part of this too. Here we go. Cubs do currently so up to date heading into Thursday night. Cubs with 16 defensive runs saved, number one in Major League Baseball. Bang. That's bang. Hold on, I'm trying Wilson to Contreras, Wilson Contreras has been oh. doing a better job of not throwing the ball away, but he did do it uh, against Kansas City, which Here is we go. Bad, a bad mistake. So uh, should have thrown that. Yeah, should have canned that one. Just going off of fielding percentage. No, uh-huh. the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the White Sox are the fourth best defensive team in the league, and the Cubs are 17th. So, do you know mm-hmm. how many errors the Cubs made in 2016? No. Why the fuck would I know that? Again, Zoe. Again, and like, this isn't, I know, uh, I know, I know the whole argument. And I, get, and I get your point, Kevin, of like errors, and obviously you errors like the routine plays. Again, this isn't me making this up. This is a fact. The 2016 Cubs, one of the best defensive teams in MLB history. They were like 21st in errors. They had like a 111 errors. Well, right now errors, the current Cubs errors, have seven. The White Sox have three. Does not determine. In this day and age of how good your defensive play is, I'm Correct. sorry. I mean, it's one right. factor, but you just can't look at that. I mean, the, the routine is obviously important, but then you take away from like how many times does a guy snag a ball that's that the average routine player isn't going to make? You get a guy that can maybe is an extra four or five steps in you know in the outfield or better lateral quickness. Javi does it. Javi clanks routine things all the time, but then he'll make a play that David blows your mind. Bodie, yeah, he's Bode's terrible at second base, but he's still. He'll oh. botch a ball like once every two games when he's out there, but he'll just make barehanded like on slow rollers. Like, no. Yep. He makes some big time plays. And the Baltimore Orioles are the second best defensive team in Major League Baseball right now. Are they? Yeah, fielding percentage wise. Oh, well, I mean, again. Yeah. I think they played like the second least games. So that's that's another thing where you get a small sample size. 
Like, there's just not there so far through the season. The guys just don't have that many chances. So, like, if you have one error, it's going to impact your fielding percentage that much more. That's why I, that's why I just can't look at fielding percentage right now. Especially right now, it's only. So like, what do you look at when you're trying to judge best defensive teams or defensive which defensive runs saved? What's the abbreviation for that? DRS. So I'm just looking at fan, fan graphs. That's where I'm at right now too. DRS. Uh, their defensive rating was just DEF. All right, DRS. Hold on. Yeah, DEF. Cubs are seventh. And the White Sox are how the fuck are the White Sox twenty first? They have exactly so. Here you exactly. go. <laughs> oh wait, this is 2019. Damn it! Oh, it doesn't have 2020 in there. I was gonna say I was obvious. I was like, damn, that's a really impressive stat. But Savant, baseball savant doesn't have this year's defense available yet. And for oh, and for individual right. players, you look at UZR because that that that's like determines like their range. So if, does a guy get to more balls than the yeah. average fielder? Mm-hmm. Well, Robert just catches every ball in the Robert, outfield. Yeah, Robert's he's gonna like lead like everyone in that because his range is the outfield. Yes. <laughs> He did it again on Wednesday night. Aloy made Aloy's awesome, dude. He's just such a fun guy. Robert went right in front of him and caught a ball, like in left field. Like it was Eloy's ball, hundred percent. Robert ran in front and caught it, and Eloy just stood back like this and watched him catch the ball. And then he turned around, and Eloy just was like, "Bitch!" <laughs> and then they started laughing. But like, I like seeing that, man. I like when. People have fun playing games. So Cubs and Sox, the two like most fun teams in the league so far. Yes. Every time I look at them, they're just laughing, having a good time. So is this doing- is this like the new club dub? By the way, they're doing now after games where they do a little TikTok dance or whatever. They're in the in the clubhouse. They, dubs? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, dance for dubs or is that? Uh, I think that's like a club dub ultralight. Mm-hmm. I think that was just or the disco dance party from the Cubs Cup in 2016. Yeah, Zach Collins and Danny Mendick just did it to mess around on Instagram, and then somebody found it and put it on Twitter, and then it kind of just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And say what you want about Joe Madden. I was a big fan of that 30 minute party, and then 30 minutes you flush it, win or lose. 30 minutes, it's in your head, and then you you walk out of the clubhouse. 30 minutes later, it's gone no matter what. I like that mentality. People forget that uh, Matt Nagy got that idea from Joe Madden. The whole club, then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tell the chat what's going. Should be great. I mean, it's the Roy- Royals are just so bad. We talked about it, the Royals, the the Pirates. Pirates are garbage too. Yeah, but the Pirates beat the no Twins. No clue how they beat the Twins. Just Let's go. <laughs> Chatwood and Chatwood's yeah. tonight, right? Or is it Lester tonight? Chatwood. Uh, Chatwood. Chatwood is fourth Thursday in the night. league with a forty point four strikeout rate. This show comes out on Friday. You got to say behind Thursday. Bieber, Bauer, and Gray, and then Chatwood. That's a quite a great company to keep. Mm-hmm. Chad was balling, dude. His pitch when uh, the pitching ninja is putting up his like overlays, that shit's filthy, dude. When he's throwing strikes, it's over. He's good. This, this is the guy that we thought maybe we were getting, and the, maybe we talked about it last show. I think he he had the potential to be like an Arietta find, a guy that just hadn't put it all together, or had like some road splits that were really incredibly good. But it just didn't pan out initially. Whereas Arietta came over, and it was almost like he made a quick transition, at, like almost from the start. Chatwood's taken a couple years, but he's—I could see Chatwood throwing a no-no. I could see him—he's dirty enough to miss enough. You guys are gonna beat that Jake Arietta drum like no one's business. No. He's not Jake. He's different, but not different in a weird way. I—I—I I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Chatwood takes no-nos, four or five innings. Like 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 he did like uh, Arietta used to always do routinely, you know. And then whatever happens happens. But I can see Chatwood throwing a no no. I actually could the way his he's missing barrels like this. That's a huge, huge benefit. 
Speaking of comparisons, I want to bring up, and we can end the Cubs talk with this. So the Cubs manager at AAA for the Iowa Cubs, I think it's Marty Peavy. He's been with, he's been in the Cubs organization uh, since 2009. He started when uh, the Cubs are still uh, the Peoria Chiefs down there in single single A ball. Uh, he was the hitting. He was the minor league hitting coordinator for three years. Then he's been the he's been the manager at AAA for, since 2013. So he's seen guys come up like Javier Baez, Jorge Soler, Schwarber. Uh, did I ever say Chris Martin? I forgot. Um, he's seen a whole bunch of guys, great power, coming up for the Cubs organization. But this is what he said. This is what he told uh, Tommy Birch as the Cubs, uh, all their prospects, or the prospects that they're actually uh, working out right now. This is what he said about 20-year-old outfielder Brennan Davis. I've never, and this is the God's honest truth, I have never seen power like this kid's going to have. I'm not talking about pull power. I'm talking about just raw leverage power, like Dale Murphy driving the ball to right center early in his career. Mm. Holy smokes. He's got some pop. Now, I'll admit, I I don't I've never I've never seen Dale Murphy play. I do know one thing. He's a Hall of Famer, and I will take a Hall of Fame comparison any day of the week. That's a good comparison. That's a good ball player. That's a good mm-hmm. guy to have kind of like troll your spot for a while. I mean what position does he play? Uh he's I think he's mostly right field, I think. Can he play mm-hmm. center field? Mm-hmm. Probably. You guys need a more. If he's, if he's more like Dale Murphy, he'll probably be better off and right. But that's a, a Hayward well, kind of thing. Yeah, Jay Hay can play center then. Kind of stuck there. But that's a good. That's a great comparison because Murphy, he was a. I mean, obviously, although you were a lot younger, but it was him. I think with Bob Horner, also mm-hmm. another good brave at the time. Those guys were they were top tier in the league. Kind of, obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, but God, that's Dale a good Murphy comparison. Has the diamond card and MLB the show, and he's very easy to hit with. So Which is the gauge. There you go. <laughs> the real gauge. Go. Yeah, I Actually, like that. You know what? Uh, so far in his career, uh, Byrne Davis has played 31 starts in center, 23 in left, 6 in right. So he's mainly played in center field. Oh, well, there you go. Yumper had a good good, good question, too, is if Chatwood continues to do what he's doing, are you gonna are, are the Cubs going to extend this? Are they yeah. going to extend him? I think you got to if the dude keeps going like he's going. I think you got to because, like, you're basically replacing the Quintana. And here's the thing. We have no clue what the hell these contracts are going to be. Um, so you're basically getting the Quintana money out of there, maybe right. giving it to Chatwood, like, less than that. Uh, Lester, he's probably going to get bought out. And, I mean, at this point, if, he, if Lester keeps pitching how he is, the Cubs are definitely going to want to rework, uh, like, a short-term contract with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, obviously, it's not going to be $25 million that uh, that the option is. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, definitely because the Cubs, I mean, they don't have like any surefire this prospect can be in a rotation next year. Maybe we see it like next year where a guy develops into like, hey, this guy can be your option uh, later on. But right now, there's no clear cut. Yeah, you can rely on this younger guy to be in rotation. So, I mean, Alec Mills isn't going to cost a lot of money. So. Yeah, I mean, if you can work something out, it's been two. I, it's only been two starts, but yep. very encouraging. But I do want to take a step back and be like, let's let's see how the season ends. 
Let's see him tonight. Let's just take it game by game, really. I mean, because the wheels, we've seen the wheels come off before with him. So you want to make sure. But tonight's going to be fun. Teams that, team, he should dominate. Let's see if he actually shows up and dominates, or does he? is his mindset different? I, I also, feel like he's one of those guys that benefited from no crowd, I'll be honest. I feel like he's the, one of those few players that are like going out and pitching. I hope it's not the crowd. I hope it's just he figured it out, but I, I, it can't hurt for him to get I, his. I also wonder, and I think, Kevin, you're the one who shared the clip where he, I think it was Chatwood talking about David Ross. Maybe, maybe it was Chatwood. But about, oh, about him getting getting into the dugout and just having that that leadership or whatever. And yeah, so I also wondered like there's this factor of when Joe Madden was the Cubs manager, where you know I think Ben Zobris signed a couple other guys, and like they specifically signed with the Cubs because of Joe Madden, and in a couple cases even like took less money. So I wonder if like Chatwood has maybe this newfound respect or just loves David Ross as a manager, where maybe. He, he gives the Cubs some. I mean, again, it's one like good stretch here because he's been pretty brutal before, where he gives them a little bit of a discount. I don't know. Who knows? Could be. Yeah. I mean, they've they've been patient with him. But again, I have no, like the free agency this off season with everyone claiming that they're losing money and who knows how the contracts are. Moving. Yeah, I don't bake on hometown discounts anymore. Oh, I mean. Don't really have an abundance of pitching. Chad would definitely would hold the cards there a little bit. No, definitely. Uh, but yeah, let's, you know, hopefully, hopefully just keeps it going for the uh, next uh, two months. Yes, yeah, that would be somewhat ideal. So we got two big weekend. Well, yeah, the Cubs, obviously, anytime you play the Cardinals, it's a big series. Even no one knows what kind of state they're in. And then it's a big thing. What, the Cubs are pretty up like four games in division. You can, yeah. I mean, this is when you step on their neck and just, you know. And they've played so few games. I mean, them coming back, I, are they going to be rusty? What What are the Cardinals going to look like? Haven't had this layoff. Like, are the, is it going to be? I you wonder. I mean, it makes me worry about the Cubs' mindset too. Are they going to go? I mean, so far so good. But are they going to go in there taking it like as a, you know, maybe taking it a little bit lighter because they know that they're not ready? Or are the Cubs going to go in there and say, "I smell blood. Let's go. Let's go cut their throats right now." First weekend of the season, cut the Cardinals' throat and send them down a spiral. Right. That could happen too. I mean, St. Louis fans aren't known for being logical. And so if they, they go down even more and all this stuff happens, it could be, they could really cut them at least pretty good. Yeah. And then the White Sox, I mean, this could be a huge weekend to create some separation between them and Cleveland, who, as we record this, Cleveland's up one nothing in the top of the third. But hell looks, yeah. Beat those Reds. Looks like uh, Pitching Ninja just put some up from Castillo. He's, He's got some good stuff going. So, <laughs> by the way, I do want to say for uh, anyone who dares to make the point that wh- whatever team doesn't matter if it's the Cubs, Sox, whoever is a just beating up on bad teams or two beating up on teams that are injured. Everyone's injured. Number one, like every team is just getting injured. Every team is injured. Two. Like, would it be better if these teams just lost to those bad teams? Like, <laughs> like why? I've never this gotten guy's just doing never exactly gotten, what he's supposed to be doing. I've never gotten the argument of, oh, I mean, you're beating bad teams again. No shit. When you're a good team, you're supposed to beat the bad teams. That is how you get a high win percentage. And then you just, you know, you compete against the really good teams. Oh, like, this guy's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. 
man. You play the games, you gotta play. Let's you... wait and see. Like, I like what's the alternative? Like, should the Cubs just lost to the Pirates? <laughs> I, I don't think, and, and Cub fans aren't, I mean, I'm hopefully not. I mean, that'd be stupid, but Cub fans aren't out there taking a victory. I hope they're not taking a victory lap. I mean, everyone knows it's 12 games. I mean, it's, it can go fast just as quickly as it came. It could be gone. And so I think that the, any idea that, I mean, with 30 games in, we can start talking a little bit more, but it's so early. Like they haven't even gone through the schedule once yet, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the Brewers aren't bad. Reds aren't bad. They've lost. And I think some of their bad records have to do with playing good teams themselves and not, they're just not coming across and Christian Yelch sucking, but you know, Cut him. cut him really retired just, yeah he should just hang him up don't have you don't have that help but what was that thing we read about the the the, the brewers and who else was it that that the brewers i mean the brewers and the reds no i'm talking about with the 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 pitch the, the pitch pitching, the, pitching uh, the cheating was it the oh brewers it was like and, the, and the rangers or something yeah brewers rangers that's what it was so now you can't see it christian sorry about that um, but no, but I do have to say, even though it is a short period, we are seeing very noticeable changes mm-hmm. that are like visible. Well, we can get to it now. Albert Moore Jr. is now just a defensive sub. Mm-hmm. That is it. Nico Horner, who like started, I think, one game when he was called up last year in center and played a like a little in the minor leagues in center field. He just started against uh, Bubich, lefty, Bubich. on uh, Wednesday, and that's normally the only time that Elmore would get starts. But he started against the Pirates when they had Brault. And, uh, I mean, he was nasty against everyone. But later in the game, Elmore had a chance. Uh, and we talked about it. He had a chance in, at next inning to just make contact and he win a game. And he just looked foolish, struck out. Albert Elmore Jr. has lost any starting time against lefties. I, there's, he's a defensive sub. A yep. shame. But that's the right move. Yep. He's been terrible since, like, August 2018. And it's a refresher too. It, you play your best nine, and and I think Madden was probably a little frustrated. Again, I think I might have told you guys that because you know Mike's been Mike Bryant's been texting me a lot, like over the last last five days, especially talking about um, how Joe Madden managed the players. And Mike told me a kind of a funny anecdotal story. He was like when he was talking with Madden when Chris you know first came up, and and Madden was there, and so it was Madden it was Chris's second season. He actually had made a joke like because Chris wanted to break the Cal Ripken record, and and uh, um, you know because. He did obviously that's a the Cowboy record is a cool record. And and he says that he goes, Yeah, yeah, Chris wants to break the record. And Joe Madden's response was bummer. Because Joe Madden sits his players once or twice a month, no matter what. So playing for Joe Madden would end your opportunity to ever break that. I thought that was kind of funny. It's not that way with David Ross. David Ross is not gonna sit guys just because he's gonna sit them. He's gonna play guys, he's gonna play his best nine, it looks like. He's not gonna try and get too cute. And I think Madden tried to force things on. Things that's another thing where you're like when you try to prove a point, and I think he tried to sometimes you beat a dead horse with Almora, for example, was trying to prove a point. Um, and now you don't, there's no point to make, he's not playing the hottest, hottest, best guys play, period. And I think that's it should be that way, but we've been going with so much mad and mad scientist crap that you know, which I respect, love it, but not right now. This, this team doesn't need mad scientists, it needs consistency. The veteran guys want us play and let the veterans play when they need a day off, they'll tell you. You don't just sit a guy because he because you feel like it. You know, they know their bodies enough, I think. And uh, another thing, and like, I'm kind I don't know what they're thinking about with Craig Kimbrell. Obviously, a dude's broken, I don't know, tipping pitches, whatever it is, uh, just showing what he's going to throw, and guys are just sitting on his fastball and killing it. And like, no one's swinging at his curveballs. I like, so I like, I said it, I liked it that they, all right, fine, three run lead, get him in there, maybe he figures it out. 
but at least David Ross did pull him. Uh, and it was like before he even gave him a run, it was just like a, a single and a double, and he only got one out. And they're like, nope, you're done. Hmm. Um, so it's fine, right? Fine. Quick hook. But, and they said it after the game, and I think even the next day, they're like, you know, we're still going to give him a chance to like get fixed. And that's fine. You can do that. I'm not saying like, oh, make up an injury and like ship him away. I'm not even saying like find him a way to send him to South Bend. Fine. The best way, I do think the best way to get him back on track is he has to go out there and face hitters and just see if he can actually get them out. But I, it doesn't need to be in a safe situation. You, you, the getting, you need to get, I do think you do need to get him fixed but you can do it in a lot lower leverage spots mm-hmm. because you do get into situ- situations where it's fine. Like you can put him out there, but if he's just going to allow two runners every time you're putting your team, you're declining your chances of winning. You can get away with it. Maybe like in the sixth inning, if you're up like four runs or whatever, it's like, all right, Craig, get guys out. And if it doesn't work fine, we'll get you out of there before it gets too bad. But if it's the ninth and you're up five, three and Kimber goes up there, gives up a hit, then a home run, like you just you fucked up big time. Like you can't be doing that right now. It's, it's just it's a veteran guy, and they paid him a lot of money, and it's just like he has the long track record. But man, he's like done. Well, <laughs> and you know the thing is, in David Ross doing that, it, you, you know, it's not just about him making that decision. It's not just about Kimbrel. That goes a long way for winning the hearts and minds of the rest of that pitching staff to let them know that you might struggle, you might not get the job done. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to keep giving you your opportunities because I think you deserve them. And I think that that goes a long way for the other pitchers to say, Hey, if I have a bad stretch is, you know, cause some guys, if, if Kimbrough was just sent and just like just sent to the, to the bench and, and didn't get used and just started to get stale as a, like an old loaf of bread, that'd be one thing. But David Ross is actively trying to find a way to get him out of his funk. And I think for all those other guys to know that David Roth, David Roth. Oh, wow. That's a Barcelona. David Ross has enough, uh, Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona. He's got enough faith. And his guys to go out there and find ways to at least get them better. And I think for them, that gives them the confidence to know that they can just go out and leave it out there. Because they a lot of them have sucked. And he hasn't he hasn't quit on really pretty much anybody just yet. But it also allows guys like Jefferson and Wick to kind of really kind of dominate. I, I love those two guys at eight nine. So I mean, like if you can if you can, it's just a matter of getting to the eighth inning and then just play a little crapshoot in the sixth and seventh if that happens. But those two dudes should just be penned in at that point. I don't even care what order. You bring them in in the best situation whenever you need you know, of those two, and you, you do it. But those two guys should be just penned in at this point with Sharpie. It, it also seems, and again, just like you don't need to put Kimbo right now. And like you, you have to look out for what's best for the team. What's best for the team right now is not putting your worst guy in the save just because he's trying to be your closer. He's just not, doesn't have it right now. But I do like the other thing that Dave Ross is doing that I kind of noticed is just like he's with Wick and Jeffers. He's just putting them in there, and he's just like, get as many outs as you can mm-hmm. until like you give up a base runner, which I love. Like as long as like the pitch count doesn't get too crazy, because like you know if a guy goes like thirty pitches, he's gonna be out the next day. But like I just like it. he's he's starting the even with like some of the other guys like Casey Sailor. I remember he's like mowed down uh, mowed down the sign and then started the next inning. So keep doing that. Get get your get best guys out there who are getting outs, and then let them go as long as you know until they give up a base runner or something. Well, I think that rule probably plays into that, that decision too. The new rule of having a guy face three guys before he can be yeah. pulled. Anyway, you want to start a guy and gets in there, maybe gets an out and then he struggles a little bit. Then you don't have to put a guy out there. That's going to suck balls either. He's got 
he gets may get two outs and then the inning's over. You can pull it. You can make those moves too. You can make some changes. But I think that that rule has a lot to do with letting guys extend out as well because you don't want to bring in some guy that's a question mark and you're you're stuck riding that 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 crazy train for three at bats. And as we see with Kimbrel and three at bats, things can go sour pretty quick. And mm-hmm. so then all of a sudden you're in into in a bad spot. And it, it does change how I think that these guys manage their 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 staff. And uh, I mean the last thing with the bullpen is it with the roster cuts. Right now, they only have one lefty in the bullpen, which is Kyle Ryan, who has has been hit hard too. Um, so that's not great. Burl. But yeah, I mean, eventually it has Burl. to be. Like, I don't know if you find someone. Like, I think Burl. we I think we talked about like Dwayne. Like, well, we have to decide who's going to be cut down. It's like yeah, Fine. not Burl. but should be up. But like, yeah. we'll give you, like we'll I want him you. up so bad. I want him up so bad. It hurts we'll, right now. He's my guy. He's my magical right now. So I swear we'll I want to see Will Caraway on the bump. Aaron Bummer for Javi Baez. Uh, add Luis Robert and deal done. Tim Anderson for Jacob Degrom. Wait, wait. Oh, I want to see those sets. <laughs> what? You get Javi for Luis Robert? No. For these, oh, okay. <laughs> that that's a hard no, bud. I mean, only one of those two guys been a top two MVP. Yeah, because yeah, only one of those two guys have played a full season. Facts are facts. Hey. I don't, I don't make them up. Uh-huh. Well, we <laughs> can Look at this chart right here. This chart says it all. It's, it's info. <laughs> we can revisit this in a couple of years. <laughs> no one cut this. Call. Hey. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll probably be back on Sunday night or Monday to talk about these important weekend series. Call it so, Sock Sweep. Oh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do some predictions. I'll take two out of three against that pitching staff. All right, Be so very happy with that. Sock Sweep, Cleveland, easy series for them. Cubs probably two or three. I mean, Cardinals can't score for shit either, but, I mean, Jack Flaherty, he's the goods. So that's I'd, like, I'd like to see the Cubs win that first game tomorrow. I'd like to set, like to set the tone for the series, and then they can kind of – that that first game, I think, will be a. I, th- I think you could steal one really if they're flat. I think you could really kind of swipe in there and steal a game, and then get. You know, I think Saturday. I, I want to say that Saturday is probably going to be that day where the Cardinals try and kind of show up, and then I think the Sunday Cubs take that. Third I don't. One. I don't want to say this, but I can already picture it. I mean, as bad as the Cubs bullpen has been, they haven't blown a lead yet. I. I don't want to say it, but I could totally see that happening this weekend. You're yeah. speaking it into the world. I don't want – I'm nervous about Saturday's White Sox game because – Bullpen day. Yeah. And then it's going to be really tough to beat Beaver. So they need to jump on uh, – what's his face on Friday night? Volley. And then, yeah. That's why I'm saying two out of three and I'll be happy so. <laughs> Anytime you take two or three from a divisional rival, it's great. It's it's a, yeah. it's a win. You win a, win a series. Win the series. Yeah. Win the series. So, all right, guys. So we'll be back Sunday, Monday. Um, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Pinwheels and Ivy Pod. For Aldo, Kevin, I'm Zolt, and fuck Nick Swisher. Bye. Take a shot. Rebuild of the favorites, we here for the latest. South side or the north side, not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams, both sides got our own rings. On the mound on the long ball, but we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah, <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantes or the whole league that we here now. New show with a new move. This 
discussions and interviews, trade rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah, this is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the ball game.